Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey. That's fieldpasshockey.com and the Field Pass Hockey mobile app, which is available on the App Store and Google Play absolutely free. They've got photo galleries, write-ups, columns, whether you want to get info on the SPHL, the ECHL, the AHL, they've got it all covered and they've just added Knoxville Ice Bears photographer Michael King so congratulations to Michael for joining the Field Pass hockey team you'll still see plenty of his work on the Knoxville Ice Bears website Knoxville Ice Bears social media but now you'll be able to view his photo galleries on fieldpasshockey.com so if you're already checked into everything Field Pass hockey is doing you might see some pretty familiar looking photos and that's because our guy Michael King is now a part of the Field Pass hockey team they are growing and growing more and more to give you the most expansive coverage of minor league hockey that is out there. Again, that's fieldpasshockey.com and the Field Pass Hockey mobile app. My name is Joel Silverberg. I appreciate you checking out the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or on Spotify. Be sure to subscribe, follow, like, however you go about tracking your podcast. Be sure to tell somebody you know about the KIB podcast. We are so excited that you could join us this week. And yeah, a little bit more energy because we've got some good news and then some news that just broke. It's about 10 after 3 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon Eastern time as I'm recording this podcast and some news that just broke about 10 minutes ago that we're going to get to in just a few moments. But also the Ice Bears are no longer on a losing streak. And so after four consecutive losses, which is not the most unheard of thing even for good hockey teams, but the success that Knoxville had had this season through mid-January, four losses at all felt like way too many. So four in a row just felt like one of the longest nine-day stretches that I can remember of being a part of this organization. And so it felt really good for Knoxville to bounce back from a weak opening loss to Peoria by bouncing back with a back-to-back wins on the road against the Pensacola Ice Flyers. We'll get to that news and more as we dive in here on the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. So Knoxville's week last week. Got off to a bit of a rough start with that loss to Peoria. Knoxville was up 2-1 to one in the third period. Took a really questionable tripping call. And I'll be honest with you, we got on the bus immediately after this game on Thursday night to go down to Pensacola. Jeff Carr was not pointing fingers at the officiating. I definitely think there was reason to point fingers at the officiating. But, you know, Jeff Carr was upset about things on defense, things with goaltending, things that he wants to see improve that he thought had been a big contributor to that four-game skid. And his frustrations did not start. Really, they didn't even touch the officiating at all. But Joe Genovese, who was the referee for all three of Knoxville's games last week, called a really suspect tripping call against Stefan Brucato there during the third period. It didn't look like Brucato actually made contact with the player in question, but it appeared that a loose puck was in the Peoria zone. Peoria defender was trying to dive for it to swat it out of the zone And when he dove for it, Genovese called a trip on Brucato. 
And then to top it off, while Brucato was in the box, Andrew Ballant tried to play the puck out of his own zone, which typically he would not have tried to do if he wasn't on the penalty kill. And puck goes over the glass, so it's a delay of game call. Now, you don't argue the delay of game call because I didn't think there was a deflection. I didn't think it hit the glass. I thought it was a clean, clear out that missed the glass and was just really unfortunate. But you could easily make the argument that Ballant's not trying to do that if his team is not shorthanded. And when we talked to Ballant later in the weekend during one of our intermission interviews, he said, I need to do a better job of understanding where I'm at on the ice and I can't throw the puck over the net like that and cost our team a game. So what you're seeing here is coaching's not pointing fingers at referees. Players aren't pointing fingers at referees. Are situations like that frustrating? Yes, especially because Knoxville's last two home games, Knoxville has had really suspect penalties called against them in a close game in the third period and a power play goal for the opposing team has ultimately been the deciding game winner in both of those games. And so those are big four-point swings against each of those teams because you look at the standings right now, Huntsville and Knoxville have both played 39 games. They have 60 and 59 points respectively. Peoria has 56 points, but three games in hand over both of those teams. So what does that mean? It means that Peoria, despite being in third place in the standings officially right now, actually has the inside track from a percentage standpoint to take over first place in the SPHL standings. Now, a lot of hockey left to be played. Knoxville will face Peoria and Huntsville one more time each, uh, both games at home in the month of March. So they will have an opportunity to make up those four loss points. And we'll see if Knoxville is able to bounce back and do that. But I think having some solid play on Friday and Saturday against Pensacola definitely contributes to maybe the confidence that some of these players have had. And not only that, but Knoxville got a a huge injection into the lineup after J.B. Baker missed the three losses in three days against Birmingham, Roanoke, and Huntsville the previous weekend. He was back for two of the three games uh, against Peoria. And then on Saturday against Pensacola, he sat out the game on Friday. So he has been working himself back. Stefan Brucato returned after a three-week stint on the IR. And then Andrew Ballon, who had just mentioned, uh, returned from a five-week stint with the Indy Fuel in the ECHL. So you're starting to see a different makeup of a team than what was there for the majority of that four-game skid. But Knoxville cleaned up some of the things that had really hurt it in that four-game losing streak because in all of those four games, what did you see happen? You saw Knoxville give up five goals or more in each of those games with the exception of that Peoria game. And so instead... Knoxville is able to hold Pensacola to two games. And I know that Pensacola is not as high in the standings right now as Huntsville or Peoria or Quad City, but still Pensacola is a good team. They have good players. Marcus Russell's had an outstanding season. Brennan Blazak is somebody that's been in this league for a couple years now. And they're a team that is well coached by Rod Aldolf and they know how to win. But Knoxville was able to win those two games with solid penalty killing, great goaltending from Christian Stead and Overall, an offensive attack that I thought was well-balanced and varied, and Knoxville found multiple ways to score. Now, credit to Cody Karpinski in the Saturday game after giving up two goals a minute and 17 seconds apart in the first period. He didn't give up anything else, but Knoxville had a scratch and claw. They continued to put on high-quality chances, and against a lot of teams in most games, Knoxville's going to score more than two goals if they continue to set up chances like that. So Knoxville takes the loss on Thursday against Peoria, goes down to Pensacola on Friday, beats Pensacola 4-1 to on Friday night. Christian Stead with some big saves, including that diving save that we've put out 
on social media. Admittedly, we did send it to the ESPN assignment desk to try to get it on SportsCenter Top 10. That did not work. It was worth a shot, though, but it was an impressive diving save. And if you haven't seen it, you can check it out on Twitter at Ice Bears or on Facebook or Instagram at Knoxville Ice Bears. A nice aerial view from the uh, high sky cam that they have at the Pensacola Bay Center to capture Stead diving behind his back to get that save with the glove. That was to kill off an early penalty kill. Knoxville was eventually able to add to its lead. They took a 3-0 lead in the final minute of the second period. And that was kind of all she wrote as the Ice Bears cruised to a 4-1 win. But the way that they scored those goals, Jason Price with a blast from the blue line on the power play. Stefan Brucato cleaning up a rebound after Stepan Timofeyev charged his way to the net. And, and such a physical skater that you don't really talk about the physicality with Timofeyev as much. Just because he's he's out there giving hits, but... He's such a fast and smaller skater. You don't talk about him as being this physical presence, but you have to restrain him somehow. And so he ends up getting checked into the goalie. Sean Kuhn can't play the puck. Pensacola wants goaltender interference, but Timo Feyev's checked in by a Pensacola skater. So the puck comes loose, and then you've got Brucato cleaning it up. Dino Balsamo with a nice wrist shot to beat the blocker side on the short side post of Sean Kuhn in the second period of that game. And then Jared Nash with a really impressive wrist shot from the left circle. So Knoxville just finding different ways to score from different spots on the ice. And then it was two redirect goals that led to Knoxville taking that early 2-1 to lead before Dylan Carabia was able to cut the deficit in half. But Christian Stead stood tall again. And it was really impressive with that showing on Saturday night because he follows up this big performance on Friday. He's got the highlight reel save. Okay, great. Now he's playing on back-to-back nights. Pensacola is going to give him their best effort. They're going to fire more shots on him. How is Stead going to respond? And you know what? He came out and challenged guys. He made big saves in the third period. It was 2-1 to one from the 442 mark of the second period all the way through the end of regulation. It's a lot of pressure on a goalie when you're not getting goal support for more than half the game, especially the latter half of the game. And so for Stead, you see the sliding kick save to hug that right post with about eight minutes left to go in the game. He makes the back-to-back saves with about five minutes remaining of two point-blank shots, stops a point-blank one-timer with his face mask right there from the bottom of the left circle, and then with seven seconds left to go in the game, Pensacola gets the look that they want. Marcus Russell from the slot on a one-timer, great pass, and Stead stands tall comes out of his crease, deflects the puck, it ends up pinned against the wall, and that's the game. And Paul Chestnut, who's the voice of the Pensacola Ice Flyers, came over to me after the game and said, man, Christian Stead might be the best goalie that I've seen all season. Now, Pensacola's schedule is a little bit different than Knoxville's. Um, They haven't played everybody in the league yet. And Paul Chestnut also does home games only. So as far as him referring to goalies that he has seen in person, but he said... Look, the way that he came out and challenged Marcus Russell was really, really impressive. I mean, he was out far to take that shot, and you don't see a lot of goalies that do that. And that's something that Jeff Carr, Knoxville's head coach, has been emphasizing the last two weeks or so is he needs goalies to challenge a little bit more, finding proper crease position, shutting off angles, closing off lanes, especially in that top shelf when you've got butterfly goaltenders. And you know what? Stead really bounced back in a big way and had a monster week. He stopped 69 of 71 shots in two games. Both games Knoxville was outshot in. And so I thought it was a really impressive performance for Christian Stead. And 
Yeah, you know, the, the way that he came out and took away the angles from a guy like Marcus Russell, who's Pensacola's leading scorer, that's big boy goaltending right there. Even in the SPHL, that's a big play to make. And that's got to give Christian a ton of confidence because Knoxville has three huge games coming up in a four-day stretch this week. But those two home games against Fayetteville, the Marksmen have won eight games in a row. There's a very decent chance that it could be nine because they play Macon on Friday. So when Knoxville welcomes Fayetteville to the Knoxville Civic Coliseum on Saturday and Sunday, there is a chance they could be going up against a team with a nine-game win streak. Now, Knoxville's 4-1 and one against Fayetteville this year. Three of those games have been very, very difficult for Knoxville. It has not been a matter of simply going out and taking care of business. Fayetteville went through a bit of a lull after losing Jason Pulaski. They dealt with some injuries, and Taylor Best just landed on the IR again. But they've got guys like Taylor McCloy. Brent Moran's been a really nice addition for them in net. That is a really good team that should not be taken lightly despite the head-to-head record between Knoxville and Fayetteville. Going to get to some news. Look around the rest of the league as well when we come back to wrap up the podcast. But again, Christian Stead, 69 of 71 shots, two wins to help Knoxville follow up from a loss to Peoria on Thursday with road wins on Friday and Saturday. I'm Joel Silverberg. You're listening to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey. In the slot, looking, shot, scores! Whoa, yes, an overtime game winner gives Knoxville a 3-2 win on the road. This presentation of Knoxville Ice Bears Hockey can also be heard while you're on the go via the Field Pass Hockey app. Read articles on your favorite team, view photo galleries, listen to live games and podcasts from across the AHL, ECHL, and SPHL by downloading the app, now available in the Google Play and Apple app stores. So the big news from earlier this afternoon and was officially released by the SPHL at about 3 o'clock was... Christian Stead, on the heels of his big week, was named the Warrior Hockey SPHL Co-Player of the Week along with Birmingham goaltender Hayden Stewart. And and got to give a lot of credit to the former Ice Bear goalie. Stewart's done some really good things for Birmingham lately, and now the Bulls have won seven of their last ten. They're running out of time, though. They've got less than 20 games left in the regular season, 13 points out of a playoff spot. They did pick up a couple of big wins over Evansville, which is the team they're trying to chase in the SPHL standings right now for that last playoff spot. But they're at least doing some good things to try to get there. And Stewart's been a big reason for this their success. So he's had some really impressive performances lately. So it's a, a well-deserved honor for Hayden. But what Christian Stead did, and Paul Chestnut, when he was talking to me about Stead's performance, he said, you might be looking at the SPHL Player of the Week after all that. So a really impressive performance for Stead. Congratulations to him. Incredibly well-earned. He's now the third player this season and the second goalie from Knoxville to receive the honor, Anthony McVeigh uh, was uh, received the honor earlier this season, and then Jimmy Perito, of course, with back-to-back shutouts against Birmingham back in November, uh, was a pretty easy decision for Doug Price to make on that one, the league commissioner. So Knoxville gets its third player of the week honor of the season, and now the Ice Bears turn their attention forward to Macon. It's going to be the last time that the Ice Bears will take on the mayhem on the road this year, and Last time Knoxville was there, did not end well. They played two games in Macon. It was a really rough weekend. Knoxville needed to escape in overtime on day one and then lost in overtime on day two. I thought Macon played well. They were aggressive. They did some really good things offensively. Nigel Slade had a big weekend for them. But what we're expecting this weekend is, okay, you're going to get every team's best shot because 
you're the Knoxville Ice Bears and you have this long-standing tradition of success. And so anywhere you go, teams are wanting to try to ruin your season. And so Knoxville, I think, wants to get a little bit of payback for what happened when Macon was able to get three out of four points over the Ice Bears the last time they were there. So that game's going to be at 7.30 on Thursday night. You can check out the Ice Bears road game watch party at Union Place Bar and Grill on Chambliss Avenue in Bearden. It's a great place to watch all of the Ice Bears road games. And then Saturday and Sunday, so the Ice Bears will have Friday off. So this is the first time in a while that Knoxville will not play three games in three days, but they are going to play three games in four days. So they'll come home, have Friday off from playing games, and then they will take on Fayetteville Saturday night at 7.30 for Wiener Dog races, and then Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock for the Silver Bear races, which that's going to feature wheelchair races on the ice. That's going to be a lot of fun, so be sure to check that out. Again, tickets available at KnoxvilleIceBears.com or by calling the ticket office 525-7825. Again, that's 525-7825 or KnoxvilleIceBears.com. So with those matchups coming up this week, and we mentioned Fayetteville, they've won eight in a row and they get Macon on Friday. So Knoxville plays Macon Thursday, Fayetteville plays Macon Friday, Knoxville and Fayetteville play Saturday, Sunday. So those three teams having a little round robin this upcoming weekend, but Fayetteville has looked really, really good. Now, granted, they've played Roanoke a ton during this stretch, but they are still finding ways to win games, been competitive throughout the course of the season. And after going through like this mid-season snag, they have the inside track to get back into a top four spot. Remember, for the longest time, it was Huntsville, Quad City, Knoxville in that order in the SPHL standings. Quad City is now back in fourth. They're four points behind Peoria, but Peoria's actually got two games in hand over the Storm. And then Fayetteville right now, they're trailing Quad City by one point, but they've got two games in hand over the Storm. So lately, it's been looking more and more like Fayetteville getting back into that top four seed. Roanoke is sitting in sixth. And, you know, not too long ago, Roanoke was right there with Fayetteville. They were jostling back and forth. Roanoke was kind of pushing itself up into a top five spot. They have lost seven of their last 10 and just got swept by a pair of games by Fayetteville. And now they are 11 points behind Fayetteville back in sixth place with the same number of games played. Pensacola also 36 games played with 39 points. Evansville, 39 points, but 38 games played. So Pensacola and Roanoke with the edge there over Evansville for those six and seven spots. Then you've got Birmingham, 13 points back with a game in hand over Evansville. Macon has 15 points. Vermillion County has 10. The Bobcats have lost their last 16 games, and it's just been a a bit of a tough slide for the SPHL's newest franchise. But that race towards the top is very much still alive. Yes, Peoria has the advantage but still so much hockey left to be played. And Knoxville does get a little bit of control in the outcome because it still has those head-to-head games coming up next month between Huntsville and Peoria. But now starting to see things take shape a little bit as based on projections and the way that teams have been playing lately, you could start to guess, okay, where will some of these teams end up? And it's a race for number one, but it's also just a race for home ice advantage. And now that race for the number four spot between Quad City and Fayetteville is looking really intriguing. Could those teams play each other in the first round? And, you know, you, you, we kind of joked about it for a while when Quad City kind of started to go in the wrong direction. Would Fayetteville and Roanoke end up as the 4-5 matchup, which would be hilarious because they play each other 17 times in the regular season. Would they really play each other again in the playoffs? Right now, it's not looking like it just because if Roanoke's sitting in that sixth spot, if Fayetteville were to move up to the four, they wouldn't match up in the first round. Obviously, anything can happen once you get past the first round of the postseason. 
but a lot of hockey left to be played with every team having 20 games or less, really with the exception of Macon and Vermilion County, uh, but everybody else, 20 games or less to go before we get to the postseason in mid-April. And some other games coming up this weekend, you have Pensacola going to Roanoke for three games in three days. Peoria is going to take on Vermilion County. Uh, those two teams face off a lot. They play each other 15 times this year. Evansville gets Quad City. And you've got Huntsville and Birmingham coming up on Friday, which could be interesting just because Birmingham did pick up that shutout win over Huntsville back on Martin Luther King Day, that annual game that they play every year in January. So seeing if maybe Hayden Stewart coming on the heels of a player of the week honor, if he does start, does he pick up another big win for the Bulls over their in-state rivals? So all of that is happening. Also, we want to make sure to let you know the, and I think we've mentioned this before on the podcast, but the game that was originally scheduled for December 17th against Macon was rescheduled for Sunday, March 20th at five o'clock at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. Now, from a promotion standpoint, it is going to be superhero night. So if you had a ticket to that original date back in December, be sure to utilize that ticket because it will be valid for the game on March 20th. It's also going to be superhero night, so be sure to dress up as your favorite superhero. Come on out and enjoy some Sunday afternoon hockey at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. Again, that's going to be Knoxville and Macon Sunday, March 20th as the makeup game. And then, of course, tickets are available at KnoxvilleIceBeers.com as well. We also want to make sure that everybody's getting set for the Bring a Friend campaign. If you have not seen this yet on social media, be sure to check it out. You can also go to KnoxvilleIceBeers.com slash contest to be able to check this out or click on the contest tab at the top of our website, KnoxvilleIceBeers.com because you can win two VIP tickets on the glass, box seats right on the glass to St. Hattrick's Night on March 17th. That's going to be an awesome opportunity for you to get the VIP experience. You're going to get to ride on the Pioneer Fan Boney, and you'll get to enjoy a player meet and greet after the game. We're giving away six winners for this, so that means 12 tickets are going to be brought out for people to watch a game on the glass for St. Hattrick's Night. So if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking, man, I, I love going to Ice Bears games, but I'd love to enjoy tickets on the glass, be sure to head to KnoxvilleIceBears.com slash contest. We've also been sharing it throughout the past week on our social media platforms. And if you're thinking, you know what? I really like my seats where they are. Okay, well, tells everybody else you know to register because this is a fan experience you don't want to miss out on. VIP box seats on the glass, fan boating ride, player meet and greet after the game. What more could you ask for at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum on March 17th for St. Hattrick's Night? Thank you again for checking out the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey, fieldpasshockey.com, and the Field Pass Hockey mobile app, available on the App Store and on Google Play. I'm Joel Silverberg. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Road game Thursday night at Macon at 7.30. Be sure to head to Union Place Bar and Grill for the road game watch party. And then Saturday night at 7.30, Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock, the Ice Bears take on the Fayetteville Marksman. Three big games this weekend as the race for number one continues, and we'll have all the action for you and all the coverage right here on the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey.